God. Hey, you love Jesus this morning? Why don't you give him the best praise? The best hallelujah. Hey, come on, take about five seconds. Let's just give Jesus the best praise. Come on. The best hit. The best hallelujah. He's going to get all day. Thank you, Jesus, for your faithfulness, for your goodness. Thank you, Jesus. Amen. Are you so excited to be in the house of God? You look good, man. You look good in the house of God. It's okay to say amen. It's not, it's not, it's not cocky if it's true. Amen. Amen. Hey, good morning. My name is Cruz, and I'm just, man, I'm just excited to be back at LifePoint Church in Homestead, Florida. Come on, baby. Man, what God is, what God is doing in this house is remarkable. I know you sense it. You feel it, right? You're excited to come to church? I know, man. It's, can I just say this? It's not like that everywhere. It's not like that everywhere. Amen? It should be, but it's not. And what God, what God is doing in this church, through, through this people, and through our pastors. Amen? Amen. Here's how I know God loves you, okay? You thought you chose LifePoint Church. The book of Jeremiah says that he chooses shepherds for us that have his heart for our lives. And so... God chose you and chose this man and woman of God, Pastor Rich, Pastor Janet, Grace over there killing the game. Can we just show some love and some honor to our pastors? Amen. You know, in a, in a time where you kind of just side-eye everything, here's what I mean. I'm, I, I know Homestead is, is a little bit of East Coast hood. Um, you're acting like you're not from Homestead. Come on now. You're acting like you saved but still got hands. Come on now. Don't, don't perpetrate. I'm, I'm from West Coast Hood. I was born and raised in Southeast Los Angeles. And so I, I you know, real recognize real. You know what I'm saying? Um, anyway, in, 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 you'll, you'll know what I'm saying when I say this. You'll know what I mean. In, in a time where you kind of just side-eye everything, right? You can't help but just be a little cynical, sarcastic. Not cynical, but, sarc but, but skeptical. That's the word I'm looking for. Just kind of like, uh, I don't know. I don't know. I appreciate that God has given our church pastors that are real ones. Real ones. Um, I get the opportunity, by the grace of God, to help pastor a great church in El Paso, Texas, and I get the opportunity to be at a lot of churches, um, and I'll tell you, sometimes you just, you wonder. Is that too honest? I don't know, but that's how, that's it. Get ready, because that's, that's, that's how we rock. Um, but Pastor Rich, Pastor Janet are real ones, and they have a heart for the kingdom. And so I'm, I'm so grateful for who they are. So love you, Rich. Pastor Janet, love you. Love you, Grace. Are we ready to get in the word? Let's get in. Okay, have you been enjoying that? the series on Acts that we've been doing. We've been working through the book of Acts. It's incredible. We're taking a little bit of a break or just a little bit of a, of a sidebar today, and we're going to be in the Old Testament, all right? We're going to be in 1 Kings chapter 18. Amen. Amen. Let's go there. We're, I'm reading out of the Amplified Version today. Do you have a, a, a real Bible? I, I know we've got electronic Bibles. Look at, look at all these real Christians up in here. That's what I'm talking about. We got disciples, and then we got iPads. You know what I'm saying? It's just... Um, 
And then you got the people who just are living under the old covenant with the Samsung stuff. I don't know what that is, but we're praying for you to get the... <laughs> I'm praying for you, bro. I'm praying. <laughs> amen. 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 I'm using the amplified version today. Um, and listen, before we jump in the word, I just, I just feel compelled to do this. Um, the scripture says that he's a balm in Gilead. He's a healer. He's a healer. And at our church, we believe in the move of the Holy Spirit. And we believe that he is still a healer. We believe that what we're reading in the book of the Acts of the Apostles is still for today. If it were not for today, then this would just be American mythology. It would be Dr. Seuss, Mother Goose, feel-good kind of stories. But we're not here for motivational speaking. 1 Corinthians 4.20 says, We don't want just the wisdom and the vain babblings of man, but we want power and demonstration of the Holy Spirit. So I believe in one moment of faith, God can do more than human effort could do in a lifetime. So I'm not going to ask you to stand up, but I will ask you to raise your hand. If you're here today and, we're, and you're believing for physical, medical breakthrough in your life, if that's you, I, I want our church to take time to pray for you. So if that's you, will you just raise your hand right where you are? Okay. Okay, there's a lot of need in the room. If someone around you has their hand raised, and if you're able to, will you just go place your hand on their shoulder? We believe in touching and agreeing. We believe in that. We believe in that. So this is the time for the saints to mobilize a little bit. Keep your hand up. I want to make sure everyone gets prayed for. If someone around you has their hand up, will you go be an intercessor, lay your hand on their shoulder? Even if you feel like, man, I don't know if I can do that. But if the Holy Spirit is compelling you to do it, do it. Do it right now. Obey the Spirit of God. Move right now. Go. Go. Father, your word gives us the authority to believe that if two should touch and agree according to your nature and your will, whatever we ask according to your name, you'll give us. Whatever we bind up on earth will be bound up in heaven. So, Father, now, by the authority of the word of God and the power of the name of Jesus, we declare on earth as it is in heaven, Lord, we declare now in the bodies of your sons and daughters today, Father, immediately now, Father, we call on the healing virtue of the Zoe life that God has promised us, the abundant life, the John 10, 10 life. The thief has come to steal, to kill, and to destroy, but you have come that we might have life and have it more abundantly. So, Father, I thank you that the life that you give us can overabound, overwhelm, and overrun every sickness, Lord, every disease, every cancer, every disorder. Father, right now, every dysfunction, Lord, every pain now, God, every symptom, I declare now by the power of Jesus' stripes, we are healed. We don't beg for healing. We receive healing. Healing is our right. We don't have to beg for what you already purchased 
for us. So we stand on your word, Lord. Now declare now from the top of their head to the soles of their feet, according to your word, every tissue, every organ, every function, every cell is under the authority of the word of God and it operates and it functions and it works exactly the way you created us, Father. Now we tie up on earth and it will be tied up in heaven. We tied up any relapse. We tie up any symptom. We tie up any discomfort now, Father. Let there be immediate, immediate evidence of your healing hand and your healing virtue, Lord. Right now, honor the faith of your sons and daughters now, Jesus. Honor the faith of these men and women, Father. Honor their faith, their boldness to believe that you are healing them and they are receiving healing now in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, the healer. We declare it done in Jesus' name, amen and amen. Let the people of God rejoice in the house of God. Amen. Amen. Now I'm going to ask, okay, I'm, I want, I need, I just, again, I'm, we're not going to ask you to stand and give a testimony, but just by show me your hand, if you came and there was discomfort in your body, there was pain in your body, and now after we've prayed with you and for you, you don't feel it, you don't sense it. Will you just let me know so we can celebrate what God just did? One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I mean, I want you to check for it. Nine, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16. You know what I think is 17, 18? You know what I think is, is funny is that we're golf clapping miracles. Oh, that's cool. People came in with pain. We prayed the prayer of faith in Jesus' name. Now the pain is gone. You know what? That should stir your faith. Because if he did it for them, he could do it for you too. Amen? Amen. Come on, one more time. Let's celebrate Jesus. Hallelujah. 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 I got to be, I, I, I got I to behave. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. Something is supposed to happen when the saints of God come together. Something is supposed to happen. You know, there's a whole world that is yearning and groaning for the sons of God to take their place. And you and I, that's our responsibility, to align and take our place and walk with the authority of the believer. And these signs shall follow them that believe. This is normal. It's not weird or whatever. This is normal. It's supposed to happen. Amen? Amen. Let's get in the Word. We got to get to work. Because there's a 1230 service. We're going to mess around, just mess the service. Oh, there's a 12 service. In my head, it's 1230. Pastor Richards goes, it's 12. Okay, Jesus, we got to move fast. All right, we got to move fast. Let's, let's, uh, let's, 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 read the, let's read the text, and then we'll jump in. Now, Elijah said to Ahab, go up, eat, and drink, for there is the sound of the roar of an abundance of rain. So Ahab went, you said 12, <laughs> Ahab went up to eat and to drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Mount Carmel, and he crouched down to the earth and put his face between his knees, and he said to his servant, go, look toward the sea. So 
he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. Elijah said, go back seven times. And at the seventh time, the servant said, a cloud as small as a man's hand is coming up from the sea. And Elijah said, go up and say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down so that the rain shower does not stop you. In a little while, the sky grew dark with the clouds and wind, and there were heavy showers. And Ahab mounted and rode his chariot and went inland to Jezreel. Then the hand of the Lord came upon Elijah, giving him supernatural strength. He girded up his loins and outran Ahab to the entrance of Jezreel nearly 20 miles. He told his servant seven times, go and look again. I didn't see anything. Go look again. I didn't see anything. Go look again. I didn't see anything. Go look again. I want us to just gather around that thought for the next 23 to 25 minutes. Look again. Look again. Many times the most powerful thing that God is going to do in our lives is not something that is revelationary nor revolutionary. It's something that is repetitive. Some of the most revolutionary things in my life where God has given me breakthroughs and give me a good amen if this is your story where God has given me breakthroughs was not new revelation it was a reminder of what I was doing before but I stopped and many times many times we'll try and chase a bunch of new things hoping that things will be different this time but what if the key for you and I, the key for turnaround in life, the key for breakthrough in life, the key for finally overcoming and getting to the next level has nothing to do with something new, but it has everything to do with the same, just different. What if the key is not new, it's the same, just different? After all, after all, the very nature of our God, the very nature of our Heavenly Father, the very nature of the Godhead is that they are the same. It's said of Jesus, Jesus Christ, the same yesterday, today, and forever. So there is a consistency and a continuity to who he is. But there's also in the sameness, there's a different expression. See, he's not just the same to everybody. He's the same but different. Because while he's the same yesterday, today, and forever, he's also the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob. So he's the same but different. Why am I making this point? Because many times what we need to exemplify and work out in our lives is not a bunch of new revelation-driven revelation stuff. It's stuff that you can see in the very character of God, in the very nature of God. The same but different. What if I don't need new, what if I just need the same but different? What if I just need the same but different? What if I don't need a new job? What if I can go to the same job tomorrow but have a different attitude? Listen, I'm a comfort. I told you. Look, I'm a cholo. I'm Mexican. You know what I'm saying? From East LA. I'm trying to tell you. This is literally a big shirt and some dickies. You know what I'm saying? Like, what are you thinking right now, bro? I'm trying to tell you. I'm coming for you, though. Look, listen, listen, listen. One of the things I pray, one of the things I pray whenever we prepare a message is this, God, help me share it the way I heard you tell me. And so, listen, I know in some places you're not supposed to, but in what we do in hope dealing, you're supposed to get a high off your own supply. I don't trust, I don't trust a preacher who hasn't tasted it first. Because that's theory. I don't want theory. 
I, I, want, I want truth and experience. Anyway, so when I heard him tell me, Cruz, what if you don't need, what, what, if I don't, what if I don't need you to get a new job? What if I just need you to go to the same job with a new attitude? Because at the end of the day, it's not the environment nor the variables of the environment that are going to determine how, where you go. It's the attitude that's going to drive your altitude. Shout out Zig Ziglar who said that. And so often we'll say, man, if I just had a different job, if I had just had a different play, if I just had a different, 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 what if you could just go tomorrow, same job, new character. Same job, different attitude. What would happen? What would happen? Something just fell in my pocket. That was weird. There it is. Look at that. Put it right there. Does that make sense to you today? What if I don't need a new position? What if I can take the same job, the same position, but just bring a different passion to the table? A different passion to the table. So I'm supposed to be passionate. Yeah. But can I share with you for a second? What I believe passion should look like in the lives of believers. Uh, here we go. I feel like there's so many loud hype Christians and not enough for real passionate Christians. Because we, for too long, we, we have made loudness and passion synonyms. But the loudest person in the room isn't the most passionate person in the room. Because the loudest person in the room, can we keep it, can we keep it 100%? Yeah, in this service? Okay. How many of y'all have walked this path? That the loudest person in my life has probably been the least consistent person in my life. And just because they've got a lot of hype doesn't mean they carry the right heart. And what if passion looked more like don't yell it to me. Show me your passion, not in your volume. Show me your passion in your punctuality. Hello. What would happen? No, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm seriously. What would happen? What would happen if 1,500, 2,000 disciples from Life Point Church decided we're going to be the most passionate people in our workplace? Here's what that means: we're going to be the most punctual. Our yes is yes. Our no is no. We're going to have a bias for action. We're going to be those people that when they say, hey, who do we want on these projects? It's LifePoint people that we want on those projects. It's LifePoint people that we want in those positions. Why? Because they're loud? No, because they're on time. Do you understand what I'm saying? Do you know how embarrassing it is? Look, look, this, okay, so this is therapy for me, okay? Um, can, I, can I just have a moment, a little bit of therapy? All right? I'm not talking about Live Point Church. I'm talking about El Paso, Texas. Okay? So there are moments at, at my church where, like, the owner of a business goes to the same church as some of their staff. And sometimes, like, the owner of the business will come and talk to me and say, hey, man, will you pray for me? Will you give me some counsel? Yeah, what's going on? Man, I got some, I got some people. I'm, I'm, I got some employees. And they're the worst employees. I'm like, man, watch, watch, watch. And I'll go, man, I'm praying for you. You should invite them to church. And they're like, man, that's the problem. They come to church. You know that Colossians, do you know that Colossians says, that Colossians says, let everything you do be unto, as unto the Lord? Watch, 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 watch. And literally, okay, literally Paul's, Paul's transliteration would have said it this way, being a Christian doesn't make up for crappy work. Wow. 
I'm going to be mediocre in Jesus' name. Don't do that. Don't do that. What would happen if you showed up to the same position, the same job with a new passion? You know what? It's the same job, but I'm going to kill it. I'm about to kill it. I'm about to shine. I'm about to go in this thing, man, and I'm going to have a new passion, a new urgency, a new bias for action, a new belief, a believability. I'm going to find new purpose in the same position. What would happen if I didn't see that as just like a menial job? I saw that as a mission field for myself. Does that make sense? I suppose then we really would be light and darkness and salt on the earth. What if I don't need a new spouse? What if I just, what if I could take the same spouse with a different determination and a different commitment? Can I tell you that faithfulness brings favor? Because you can chase all the new things you want. It's still the same old you. And no matter how often you change who's across from you, if you don't do anything about you, you're going to get the same thing. What if it's not, I need a new relationship, I need a new, I need a new spouse, we need a new marriage. What if it's, I just need same spouse, renewed commitment to be faithful. What if it was as simple as this? Man, I'm going to take the same spouse. We've been married for 24 years. Babe, do you love me? My tools in the garage, aren't they? That's such a Mexican thing to say. I don't know if, they, I don't know if we do that in Florida. We do that in Florida. <laughs> My tools are still here. That's, that's funny to me. Okay, anyway, anyway. But what if, what, if it, what, what if it became, what if it became, man, I have a same spouse, a new determination to date night. A new determination to faithfulness. You know, faithfulness doesn't begin. Now, if you got, if you got little, little ears in here, you might want to earmuff it, because, and you should have put them in kids' church. Okay, this is on you, all right? You might be like, Pastor Cruz, how, dude, this is a big boy church. Put them in little people church, all right? But you know, unfaithfulness isn't conceived in the moment where two adults meet at some hotel. You know, unfaithfulness, infidelity, begins the moment I start side-eyeing other options. You know, literally, the definition of faithfulness is returning to determination and commitment to the original agreement, especially when I have options. Look, if you don't have any options, it's not, it's not hard to be faithful. You're just happy. I mean, I'm lucky. I got hurt. Like, I'm good. I'm chilling. I'm not trying to mess this up, man, right? But when you have the option, the option to quit, the option to entertain other conversations, faithfulness is born when you say, no, I'm coming back to a commitment to the original agreement. What would happen if you had the same spouse and you cut off the options and you said, I'm coming back to the original agreement. 24 years ago, I said, I do to you. And baby girl, you're still the one. What if I don't need different resources? If I just had this, if I just had that, if I had more of this, more of that, more of this, more of that, more of this. Can I tell you that more doesn't mean different? What if I could take the same resources 
and just apply a different creativity to them. Do you understand that Chick-fil-A is one of the most successful brands in the country? And it's nothing special. I mean, they baptized the chicken, right? It's the Lord's chicken. Closed on Sunday, you're my Chick-fil-A. It's the Lord's chicken, I get it. But what if, what if it's just a little bit of a different creativity, a little bit of a different passion, a little different attitude? You know what Chick-fil-A did? They took the same old buttermilk, egg wash, whatever you make it crispy with, deep fry it. It's the same resource, but they got creative with. You know why we love Chick-fil-A? Two words. My pleasure. They took the same old resources, same old chicken, same old egg wash, same old flour, same old oil, but they say, you know what, we're about to turn this chicken up. Oh, what do we got? We got chicken? Bet. Let's do this. Let's make it extra special. They're going to love how we make them feel. We're going to give them the same old thing, but we're going to give them a different feeling. Can I tell you, you don't need new. You can take the same, do it different. But here's the issue. The issue the issue is driven by our point of view. The way we view things, the way we look at things. That's the issue. And this is not a comprehensive discourse on dispositions and points of view. But like in the next 10 to 12 minutes, I want to challenge how you view things around you and I want to challenge you to look again. Because your point of view determines everything. We've all heard the age-old adage and the age-old object lesson. You bring a cup in. You fill it to 50% capacity. Some people are going to say it's... Some people are going to say it's... Exactly. Some will say it's half empty. Some will say it's half full. And the only differentiation there is... My point of view. What if you don't need a new scene? You just need a different point of view. You can be in the same scene but have a different point of view. Generally, you and I are going to have one of two points of views. We're either going to have a perception or we're going to have a perspective. I want you to write this down. This is the teachy part. Okay, I'll get to, I'll get to the preachy part here in about six minutes. Here's the teachy part. The teachy part. Ready? Because I need you to have a, a solid understanding of your point of view. So write this down. Put it in your notes, okay? Listen, I'll either have a perception or I'll have a perspective. What's a perception? A perception is a point of view that is driven complete by total subjectivity. What do I mean by that? I mean that it's driven by your feelings. It's driven by my assumptions. It's driven by my instincts. It's driven by my reactions. A perception is completely subjective. It's the feels. Cruz, what do you mean by that? Well, here's what I mean by that. Whenever I'm walking with just perception alone, I typically say things like, man, I feel like they don't like me. I feel like this won't work. I feel like we won't get ahead. And my whole worldview 
and my awareness of the world around me and my place in the world is defined and contained by how I feel. But fortunately, you are not just an instinctual animal. The Lord gave you the ability and the beautiful gift of will. What does that mean? It means you have a choice. You have a choice. And what a, that choice does, it gives us the opportunity to look again. I know you have a perception. I get it. Your mother-in-law's crazy, bro. I got you. You got a perception. I get it. But hey, you have an opportunity to look again and take that perception and say, I have these feelings. However, I can drive myself into a place where I define a perspective. What's a perspective? Here's what a perspective is. Uh, is. A perspective is the ability and capacity. Write this down. Ability and capacity. Understand that those are key words. Ability and capacity. They're key words. Why are they key? Because they have nothing to do with your feelings. And they have everything to do with your choices. Your decision making. The patterns of your thinking. How you allow yourself to process. You can develop an ability, and you can grow capacity. A perspective is the ability and the capacity to view things and understand things in their true form and relative importance. True form, relative importance. We'll drill it down. Let's boil it down. What does that mean, Cruz? Well, look, a perception is, man, you see my mother-in-law, she hates me, bro. She stays mad. Just grumpy. She needs Jesus. Actually, she needs all three, Father, Son, Holy Spirit, and maybe, and maybe some of the saints. Can we do a little Catholic in it or no? Just for her. Just for her. Can we do a little bit? No? Got it. I'm just saying. I know that's bad theology, but it'll really help me. <laughs> that's funny. That's bad theology. Jesus is enough. Give me a good amen. Okay. All right. <laughs> watch, 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 watch. But to be able to put things in their true meaning, and relative importance. Watch. Okay. Perception says, man, my suegra hates me. Hablamos español también, okay? So, like, le damos en español total. Okay. My suegra hates me. That's mother-in-law. My suegra hates me. That's perception. Perspective says, hold on, let me build, let me go and get an understanding instead of just having a feeling. Write the scripture down, Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. I don't know about you, but I want to live a life of wisdom. Can I... By a show of hands, who's trying to live a life of wisdom? Man, that's more than the first service. Let's go. A life of wisdom. Look what Proverbs 4, 7 says. The beginning of wisdom is this. Get skillful and godly wisdom. It's preeminent. The New King James Version says wisdom is the principal thing. Right? The most important thing is wisdom. Watch. And with all you're acquiring, with everything you get, get an understanding. Actively seek spiritual discernment, mature comprehension, and logical interpretation. You can have the feeling, man, she hates me, but you can get an understanding. Let me help, let me, let me, let me understand. Watch, to put things in their true meaning. You know what? What hurt her probably didn't begin when I married her daughter. What hurt her here, I'll, I'll make it relative to my context, because this is my story. 
What hurt her is my, is my family from El Paso. I love y'all. It's good to see y'all. Listen, what hurt her, what hurt her didn't begin when I started dating her son. That's my wife, Diana. Got mom issues. Don't have time to talk to you about it. Therapy and theology, that's helping your boy out. But hear me. And over the last several years, rather than just having the perception of we've got mom issues, we were trying to get an understanding. Where did that hurt come from? To understand things in their true form. Oh, wait. She doesn't hate me. She's hurt. Oh, wait, shoot. Okay, so this isn't, this isn't personal. Hold on. Let me go look again at this. I've been fighting her ghosts. Let me look again. Whoa, 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 whoa. And if it didn't begin with me, it's probably not going to end with me. So let me put things in their relative importance. So it's not important for me to fix her. Is this making sense to anybody? That's not my job. So what am I supposed to do, right? Get understanding, spiritual discernment, mature comprehension, logical interpretation. You know what my job is supposed to be? Not to fix her. I understand, so I'm gonna draw my boundaries. I'm not gonna act like it's the first time when she does what she does, birds are gonna fly. We literally say this in my home. Is this too much? I don't know, I don't care, I'm saying it, okay? We literally say this in my home, Pastor Rich, in, when, when it comes to relating with, with, with my moms. I love my mom, incredible woman of God. But, but we're not perfect, you, you know what I'm saying? We say, hey man, birds are gonna fly, fish are gonna swim, and Estella's gonna be Estella. I know that's funny, but you know what that is? That's an understanding. That's a perspective. I've put things in their true meaning and their relative importance. Watch relative importance. I've seen it happen too many times in homes where they're trying to win over the mother-in-law and lose the marriage. You wanna know what the relative importance is? And I tell my wife this all the time, hey babe, don't worry about her, you got me. I'm the prize. You see what I'm saying? Developing the right perspective allows you to look again. A perception will say and speak in fatalisms and broad generalizations. Perception, that's what perceptions sound like. Broad, swooping generalizations, right? Now, they never we never, oh, we'll never, we'll never, we'll never get ahead. Perception. Can I share what my specific brand of perception generalization sounds like? Mine sounds like this. It is what it is. You know what I'm talking about? When I've just kind of given up, I've lost a little bit of hope. I'm just like, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. You know, the truth is, all of us have our form of it is what it is. Every single one of us. It is what it is. And a perception will stay there and live there. If you let it your whole life. But you have the opportunity to look again. And while a perception will say, it is what it is, a perspective will see, man, it is what it is. But I'm going to do the hard work of understanding. I'm going to do the hard work of interpreting. And a perspective will say, yeah, 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 hold on. It is what it is, but here's what it means. And I know you've got a lot of it is what it is is in your life. 
But you don't have to live just in it is what it is. And that brings us to our text. I know you were wondering, when are we getting back to 1 Kings, man? Look, there's a lot to say about the prophet Elijah and his life and his body of work. He's a bad boy. When you get a chance, go read 1 Kings 17 through 22, 24, right around there. It's an incredible story. But just for our time together today, let's do this. I've got three points I want to make, and I'm going to minister them over you. Would you stand to your feet? This will help me move faster. Are you happy you came to church today? I hope this helped you a little bit. The prophet addresses three areas where they had arrived at some shape or form of it is what it is. The first one, he was speaking to the king. And when you're speaking to the king, you're essentially speaking to all the people because the way the king goes, typically the kingdom goes. And they were in a time of recession, economic uncertainty. It was drought, it was dry, it was despair, it was barren. And people were just uncertain. And the prophet speaks to the king in this portion of the text and he says, I want you to go up, I want you to eat and to drink because I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. It seems so counterintuitive and almost tone deaf for a man of God to tell the leader of a people, yeah, I know what you see, but I hear something different. But you need to understand that the kingdom that you and I are a part of at times is counterintuitive. And at times it is upside down. And at times it is nonsensical. Because faith is nonsense. It is a challenge to believe what I can't see and to grab for what I can't touch and to walk not by sight but by faith. And faith doesn't come by seeing, but faith comes by hearing the Word of God. Many times in our lives when God is going to change something, we'll often hear it before we ever see it. And I know there are situations in your life where you could easily just throw your hands up and say, it is what it is, man. It is what it is. But I love that the prophet reminds us that, yeah, but look again. You can get the right perspective. It is what it is. But that's not what I heard. And I want to remind you, my family, today, that what you see before you in times of trouble, in times of peril, in times of pain, in times of not having enough, feeling like I'm not enough, it is what it is. But I know that's not all you heard. I know that's not all you heard. How do I know that? Because every single one of us have a word, has a word from God. Every single one of us has a word from God. Now you might say, Cruz, I don't know, man. Like my life has been kind of crazy up and down. I haven't been rocking with Jesus the way I should be. I don't know, bro. I don't know. I really haven't been praying. I haven't heard from God. Hey, that's okay. Because if God never speaks another word, if he never says another thing, he's already said enough. John chapter 1 says, in the beginning 
was the Word. And the Word was God. And the Word was with God. And verse 14 says, And that Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we beheld His glory as the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. The only Word that you and I will ever need, the most powerful Word that God will ever speak over humanity is Jesus. Jesus, and if I never hear another word, he's already said enough. If I need a redeemer, he said Jesus. If I need a healer, he said Jesus. If I need a provider, he said Jesus. If I need a friend, he said Jesus. If I need a way, he said Jesus. If I need an advocate, he said Jesus. If I need a savior, he said Jesus. It is what it is, but that's not all I heard. I know it is what it is in your body, but you heard Jesus. I know it is what it is in your money, but you heard Jesus. I know it is what it is in your family, but you heard Jesus, and you heard it right. All right, I got to finish. I got to finish. Second one, it is what it is. He tells his servant, go up. Go up and look and tell me what you see. The servant goes up and down seven times, comes back on the seventh time, and he says, Hey, I only see a small cloud the size of a man's hand. And we always preach that, man, God will do big with little. And I love that. The size of a man's hand, that's great. But I feel like we miss a small detail. The scripture says that the servant went and he saw a small cloud rising the size of a hand's, man's hand, and that was rising out of the sea. I need you to understand that who you are is a part of a much bigger thing. And in a time in culture where we give so much clout and so much weight to the size of things, mega this and mega that, how much do you have? How much do you make? How many people know your name? In the kingdom of God, the metrics are different. In the kingdom of God, we don't measure by size. We measure by source. In the kingdom of God, it's not what you have. It's not how much you have. It's what you have. And many of us have relegated and said, it is what it is. I don't have enough. But in the kingdom of God, the Lord says, no, it is what it is. But it's not all that it seems. See, when you're holding these little things in your life, that you say, man, it's just a small cloud. These small seeds are just tiny seeds, right? That people will call them small and insignificant. Seeds like obedience. Seeds like forgiveness. Can I tell you? I mean, I just feel the Lord on this, man. I got to end this service. Holy Jesus. Can I tell you that money can't buy the generational impact? I don't know who this is for, but I know you're in this service. I don't know, money cannot buy the general, generational impact of you calling them today and saying, I forgive you. Do you understand that your children will be free in that moment? And what you're carrying aren't just seeds, they're trees and forests. Because it's about the source and the very nature of a thing is carried inside the seed. It is what it is, but it's more than it seems. 
Don't let the world around you say that what you do for the Lord is not enough. Hear me, Life Point. Hear me. Hear me. I'm reminded of 1 Corinthians chapter 15. Be strong, steadfast, and movable, knowing that nothing you do for the Lord is ever in vain. Your faithfulness to the house of God, serving the house of God, your faithfulness in tithing, your faithfulness in giving and loving, your faithfulness in sacrifice, they're small clouds from a big sea. Amen. Last one. Last one. We're going to land the plane. You ready? Then the, the voice of God comes to Elijah. Ahab takes off on his chariots. And the voice of God comes to Elijah and says, hey, I want you to gird up your loins and I want you to run. And you're going to catch and outrun and outpace those chariots. This is for the ones in the room who feel like you showed up 10 years late to a game that's already been played. The ones in the room who have been believing the context and the story that you, you were dealt the wrong cards in life. Hear me. Sure, they've got chariots and horses, and all you've got is chanclas. I love preaching to Latinos. Hear me. But the key in that was, and the, at, the, at the beginning of that scripture, is, and the hand of God came upon Elijah and said, gird up your loins and run. Can I tell you? It is what it is. All you got is those chanclas. Hear me. It is what it is, but that's not all you got. It is what it is. You got the hand of God on your life. You got the hand of God on your life. And if you're willing to say, God, I'll gird them up, I'll do everything you ask me to do, and I'll believe you to do what only you can do. Can I tell you that you'll outrun, you'll outpace, you'll outlast, you'll outearn, you'll outperform, you'll outshine, you'll outdrive, you'll overcome and overwhelm the children of darkness. It is what it is, but it's not all you got. So children of God, hands towards heaven, let me pray over you. Hands towards heaven, Father, in Jesus' name. I thank you now for this time of faith. I thank you for this response of faith. Lord, I thank you for new perspectives. I thank you for the courage in these men's and men and women's lives to go and look again, God, in every area of their life. Where they've arrived and given up and said it is what it is, I thank you that they have the courage to look again. It is what it is, but that's not what you heard. It is what it is, but it's more than what it seems. It is what it is, but it's not all you got. I declare that the hand of God is on your life in Jesus' name. Now, if you believe that, if you receive that, give him a loud hallelujah.